Good evening. It's good to be together tonight. Appreciate everybody being here for our evening worship. I hope that today's been a good day for you. I hope that it's been encouraging as we go out into the week and we strive to live for Jesus on a daily basis. What we do here is supposed to make us ready for that. And so I hope that's what's happened in your life today, that we're prepared to go out and to face temptation, to face trials, to face whatever the world throws at us because we've received encouragement here to be followers of Jesus. You might notice that there are a few faces who are not here, who are usually here, and that's because as we announced this morning, we took some time to participate in the Bible Bowl at Glendale Road. Those are the kids that participated, and they actually did a phenomenal job. I got some texts from Michael just a little bit ago. Max Parker, out of all the kids in the third and, or rather the fourth and fifth grade, he came in third place individually. And so we're happy to share that. Our kindergarten and first graders placed third out of all the churches who were there. And then our quick recall team came in second. Quick recall was really fun to watch. It was really the only thing that we got to watch where they had buzzers and it was four on a team. And they'd ask a question and the first one to buzz in got to answer the question. They had to play, I think it was four or five rounds, including the championship round and ended up coming in second. So whenever you see them on Wednesday or if you see them next Sunday, take some time to encourage those who are in the Bible Bowl because they really did a great job. We were kind of late, to be honest with you, beginning the study, walking through. They studied the book of Daniel. We were a little bit late in beginning that study. They've only been studying for maybe a month and a half or two months, and then we were meeting on Wednesday nights. You throw in all the tornadoes that we've had on Wednesday nights, and we didn't really get to meet very much, but the parents did a lot of work at home, helping the kids learn the book of Daniel and know the book of Daniel, and so we're thankful for that and thankful for these kids who represented us so well today. For our setting tonight, let's go to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to continue to walk through the gospel of Mark together, Mark chapter 1, and together we're going to be looking at two different stories, two similar stories, but yet they have their differences in verses 16 through 20, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. If you had the chance to be with us last week as we're walking our way throughout the Gospel of Mark, perhaps you remember we spent some time in verses 9 through 15 in chapter 1 talking about our need to follow Jesus. That's who we are as Christians. We are followers of Jesus. We are those who obey Jesus' command. We follow Jesus' lead. We do what Jesus tells us to do. We go where Jesus tells us to go. Every day it should be our goal to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Last week we talked about three specific areas where we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. According to Mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 11, if we're going to follow Jesus' example, then we're going to follow Him into the waters of baptism. Baptism was important to Jesus. Baptism should be important to us. That's where the relationship with God begins. That's where He claims us as His sons and as His daughters. We're to follow Jesus in temptation. We all experience temptation, perhaps even on a daily basis, where our lust and desires, according to James chapter 1, are trying to draw us away to do sinful things, to say sinful things, to think sinful things. We have to follow Jesus' example. 
Jesus stood up to the temptations of Satan not just three times, but in Mark chapter 1 for 40 days by having a knowledge of the Word of God and being able to apply the Word of God in those specific circumstances, we should have those same things. We should have a knowledge of the Word of God, but not just a knowledge of the Word of God in our minds, but also the wisdom to apply it to our lives. And then we talked about how we're to follow Jesus' example in proclamation. When Jesus began His public ministry, the Bible says that He came into Galilee proclaiming the good news. Proclaiming the Gospel of God. The time is fulfilled. The Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent and place your faith, place your trust in the Gospel. If we're going to follow Jesus' example, then we are going to be people of proclamation. People who are interested in and active in sharing the Gospel with other people. Tonight, we're going to continue with that theme of following Jesus, but we're going to look at it from just a little bit of a different angle in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Instead of focusing on the, the aspects, like we did last week, those three different aspects where we are to follow Jesus' example, tonight I want us to focus on Jesus' invitation. The invitation that He offers to you, the invitation that He offers to me to follow Him. That's actually the first thing that I want us to mention as we look at this text together. Really, the main idea of Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, is that Jesus offers an invitation. Jesus wants us to follow after him. It's like what we said a moment ago. When we look at verses 16 through 20, we find two different stories, yet two very similar stories. Each story focuses on a set of brothers. The first one in verse 16, 17, and 18 is focused on Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And then the second story in verses 19 and 20 is focused on James and John. These two stories are set on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. As we study in the early chapters of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to spend a lot of time on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And here we find in Mark chapter 1 and verse 16 that Jesus was passing alongside the Sea of Galilee when all of a sudden He saw Simon and Simon's brother, Andrew. The Bible says that they were fishermen. They were fishing whenever Jesus saw them, not because they enjoyed it. Maybe they did enjoy it, but they weren't fishing with the primary purpose of enjoying it like we might on a Saturday afternoon. They were fishing because that was their livelihood. That's how they made money. That's how they put food on the table. According to certain historians, on the Sea of Galilee, on any given day, there would be about 300 boats filled with fishermen who were trying to take fish to the market to sell to get money in order to provide for their families. You imagine Jesus walking along the coast of the Sea of Galilee. There's 300 boats out there, and Peter and Andrew are just one of them. The Bible says that they're in their boat. More than likely, they're close to the coast. They were close enough that Jesus could talk to them. They were throwing their nets into the sea. In the first century, they didn't fish with rods. They fished with nets. And that's what Peter and Andrew were doing whenever Jesus comes across them. When Jesus spots Peter and Andrew out on the Sea of Galilee, what does He say? What does He do? Look at Jesus' first two words in verse number 17. He extends an invitation to them, follow me. Jesus is offering for them to become His full-time disciples. 
to follow Him wherever He goes, to travel with Him, to be with Him, to allow Jesus to train them. He's calling them, follow after Me. Walk in My footsteps. Be My full-time disciples. And we'll talk in just a minute about how they responded to that invitation. Look at the second story. The second story is about two brothers, sons of Zebedee, named James and John. Like Peter and Andrew, they were fishermen, but they weren't unlike Peter and Andrew. They weren't fishing at the time. The Bible says in Mark 1 that they were done for the day. They were mending their nets. They were cleaning their nets. They had finished their work for the day. Jesus approaches James and John, and what does He do to them? Verse number 20, immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, He called them. Jesus extends the same invitation to James and John that He extended to Peter and Andrew just a few verses back. Follow Me. Be My full-time disciples. It's good to point out that this isn't the first time that Jesus interacted with these four men. Maybe whenever we read the Gospel of Mark, we get this idea that Jesus is just walking down the coast of the Sea of Galilee and He's calling random strangers to follow after Him and to be His full-time disciples. Well, no, if you go back to John chapter 1, Jesus already knew these four men. These four men were already disciples of Jesus. They had already spent time with Jesus. But when you come to Mark chapter 1, He's calling them to full-time discipleship. He's calling them to take another step. Be my full-time disciples. Follow me wherever I go. That's the invitation, isn't it? Jesus extends. He offers an invitation to them with two words. Follow me. And what's so amazing to think about that invitation is that Jesus still offers it today. Just like Jesus offered the invitation to Peter and Andrew, just like He offered it to James and John, Jesus offers that same invitation to us. Follow Me. Jesus wants us to follow Him. Jesus wants us to follow in His footsteps and to be His full-time disciples. We get invitations in the mail all the time, don't we? For different things, for instance, whenever a kid is having a birthday party, they're going to send out an invitation and all their friends are going to come to a specific place and they're going to have a really good time. Whenever a guy is interested in a girl, what's he going to do when he works up the nerve? He's going to invite her out on a date hoping that she says yes. It looks like she's going to say yes in this picture. Friends like to spend time together. And so they extend invitations to one another. I want you to come over to my house. Let's spend some time together. Let's sit down and share a meal together. Couples who are engaged invite their friends and family to come and watch the moment where they tie the knot, to watch their wedding ceremony. And then especially in the time that we're in right now, there's a lot of graduation invitations going around, inviting people to a graduation or to a graduation party. We receive invitations all the time. When you receive an invitation, the person that sent you the invitation is interested in you. They love you. They have a relationship with you. And they want you to be at the party or the event that they're inviting you to come to. Stop for just a second and consider the fact that Jesus is interested in you. Jesus loves you. In fact, Jesus is so interested in you. Jesus loves you so much that He's willing to extend an invitation to you to say, I want you to follow after Me. I don't know about you, but if I look back at my past and I see some of the decisions that I've made, I don't deserve that invitation. 
kind of like what we talked about this morning whenever it comes to forgiveness. You mean Jesus wants me to follow Him? Does He not know the things that I've done? Does He not know the sinful decisions that I've made? The beauty of it is that He does know it, but yet He still invites us. The beauty of it is that He does know the sinful decisions that we've made, yet He wants us to follow in His footsteps. What an amazing idea that is to grasp. It's kind of like the man who had an orchard. And he was talking to one of his friends. He said, hey, you need to come over to my orchard one day. I want to give you some fruit. The fruit's really good, and and I want you to be able to enjoy it. And his friend said, no, I've been to your orchard before. And all that I got was really sour apples. They weren't sweet at all. I I don't think that I want to come to your orchard. He said, no, let me tell you what I've done. On the outside of my orchard, I've planted trees that bear sour apples to keep thieves from coming in. But whenever you come into the center of the orchard, that's where it's sweet. And so I want you to come from the outside into the middle and let's enjoy this time together. I want you to be able to taste the sweetness of this fruit that I'm growing. That's what Jesus wants for us. Jesus doesn't want us to stay on the outskirts of the vineyard. Jesus doesn't want us to stay outside. Instead, He invites us to come into the middle where the fruit is sweet. It's like what Peter talks about in 1 Peter, the second chapter, towards the beginning of that chapter. He invites us to taste and see that He is good. To taste and see that He is sweet. Jesus wants to draw us into the middle. When He offers this invitation, He's not offering something that's part-time. He's not offering something that only demands half of your attention. When He offers this invitation, He's not offering something that is non-committal. No, when Jesus offers you this invitation, He says, I want you to come into the middle. I want you to experience the fullness of what it's like to have a relationship with Me. I want this to be full-time for you, Jesus says. I want you to follow Me in everything that you do, wherever you go, regardless of what you involve yourself in. I want you to follow in My footsteps. A relationship that is full-time and a relationship that is all-encompassing. Something that is not just a part of our lives, but something that touches and molds and shapes every single aspect of our lives. So that's the main idea of this passage. Jesus offers to us this invitation, I want you to follow after Me. Be My full-time disciple. But as we continue looking at this passage just a little bit closer What does Mark want us to understand about this invitation? I think that there are a few more ideas that we can notice. Number two, that Jesus' invitation is offered to ordinary people. Put yourself in Jesus' shoes for just a minute. If you were going to go around offering an invitation for people to follow after you, who would you offer that invitation to? I don't know about you, but it seems pretty smart to me to offer it to the smartest, the most powerful, the richest, those who have the most authority. And that's what Jesus could have done. Jesus could have walked into the temple and said, you're the religious leaders, you're the Pharisees, I want you to follow after me because you have so much pull. If I can get you, then I'll get everybody else. Jesus could have walked into a king's palace and said, you're the most powerful person in this region, I want you to follow after me, and then you can get all of your subjects and citizens to follow after me. That's what Jesus could have done. He could have gotten the best of the best, the brightest of the bright, the richest of the rich, and the smartest of the smart. 
But is that what he does in Mark chapter 1? Now, you don't find him calling teachers or rulers or kings. You find Jesus calling four fishermen. In the first century world, there was not anything special about a fisherman. In fact, fishermen were viewed as being towards the bottom of the totem pole. If you fast forward just a little bit in the story of the Gospel to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, two of these men, Simon Peter and John, are described as uneducated common men. That's all that they were. They were fishermen. They were uneducated. They were common. They were ordinary. They were just like everybody else. Yet Jesus offers this invitation to them, I want you to follow after Me. I want you to be My full-time disciples. Jesus' invitation is offered to ordinary people. Jesus extends an invitation to you. But it's not because of how much money you have. It's not because of the car that you drive. It's not because of how big your house is. Jesus offers an invitation to you. He wants you to follow after Him. But it's not because how much pool or power you have in the secular world. It's not because of how much money you have saved up in your bank account. It's not because of how other people view you, the job that you have, maybe the promotion that you've received. Now Jesus, when you read through 1 Corinthians 1, for instance, or even James chapter 2, Jesus offers ordinary people to follow after Him. And that's good news for me. I'm not going to speak for you. I view myself as an ordinary person. There's not anything special about me. And maybe you can put yourself in that same category. What a blessing it is to think that Jesus extends an invitation to me even though I'm not the smartest of the smart. I'm not the richest of the rich. But this isn't just something that's about me. But it's also how I view other people. There's no reason to look down on people who decide to follow Jesus whenever we recognize this idea. If Jesus extends His invitation to ordinary people, well, that's good news for me, but it also changes the way that I view other people. There's no reason for me to look down my nose at someone because of what they don't have, or the house they live in, or the car they drive, or what their bank account looks like. Jesus offers this invitation to ordinary people. Number three, Jesus' invitation is one of transformation. Notice when you look in verse number 17 that when Jesus extends this invitation, He doesn't just say, follow me, and He leaves it at that. No, as you continue reading in verse 17, He said to them, follow me, and then there's more. I will make you. This isn't something that they're going to do to themselves. This is something that Jesus is going to do to them. Jesus is going to take these four men. He's going to put them on the potter's wheel and mold them into the kind of disciples that He wants them to be. Follow Me. You make that decision and I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I will make you into fishers of men. That's interesting, isn't it? Here Jesus is talking to fishermen and says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you decide to follow me, I want you to know that everything is going to change. I want you to know that you're going to be completely transformed. Your life is not going to be about bringing in fish. Your life is going to be about bringing in people. Your life is no longer going to be about taking fish and bringing them to the market. No, your lives are going to be about bringing souls to the Savior. Allowing people to have relationships with me. Allowing people the opportunity to spend an eternity with me. You're a fisherman now, 
But if you decide to follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Jesus' invitation is one of complete transformation. Whenever I was at Freed Hardman, maybe several of you know, I was a part of the cross-country team and the track and field team. Well, I remember I was about a sophomore or a junior. Our coach recruited a runner. He had his brother in the past and thought that he was going to be really good. This runner accepted the invitation to be on the team. He gladly accepted the scholarship money. But after the first week of practice, we never saw him again unless we were traveling to a meet. Didn't matter if we practiced in the morning at 6 a.m. or if we practiced in the afternoon at 3.30 or 4. He was never there. Oh, he was glad to accept the invitation. He was glad to take the scholarship money, but he wasn't willing to be changed. He wasn't willing to be transformed to be a part of our cross-country team or our track and field team. Well, Jesus, you invite me to follow after you. I'm flattered. But I just want you to know I'm not going to change anything about my life. Jesus, you invite me to follow after you, but, but I just want you to know I'm going to continue to live in my comfort zone. And my life is not going to change, and I'm going to keep doing the things that I want to do. I'm going to keep living in the way that I want to live, just so you know on the upfront. It's not the way that it works, is it? When Jesus offers the invitation, follow me, along with that invitation, He offers transformation. He offers change. He says, if you decide to follow me, then I want to do something to you. I want to change you. I want to transform you. I want to put you on the potter's wheel and mold you into the person that I want you to be. When you decide to follow Jesus, everything changes. It's not just some minor shifts here and there. It is a complete transformation where my life is no longer about me. Now my life is about Him. My life is no longer about what I want. But my life is all about what He wants. I'm no longer a fisherman, but I'm a fisher of men. Whenever we decide to follow Jesus, it's not just change that we receive, but we're changed to reach out to other people. To allow people the opportunity to come to the Savior, to come to know Him, to form a relationship with Him, and ultimately to spend an eternity with Him. If you accept this invitation from Jesus to follow after Him, but you're not willing to be transformed, this invitation is not for you. This is not something that you should take Jesus up on. But if you're willing to follow in Jesus' footsteps and you're willing to allow your life to be placed on the potter's wheel, Jesus will work with you. He'll change you. He'll transform you. When He offers this invitation, He's not looking at where you are right now. But He's thinking about your potential. He's thinking about what He can make you into. He's thinking about what you can become in His service. The question is, are we allowing Him to mold us? Are we allowing Him to shape us and to transform us from the inside out? And then number four, Jesus' invitation must be accepted. Jesus offers the invitation in verse number 17. Follow Me and I will make you become fishers of men. It's not who you are right now, but it's who you're going to become. So how did Peter and Andrew respond to that? Well, look at 19. The Bible says, immediately. There's no second thought here. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed Him. What about James and John? Jesus approaches them in verse 20. Immediately, He called them. How did they respond? 
Well, they responded in the same way. They accepted that invitation. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed Jesus. These four men made the right choice. Jesus extended the invitation to them and they accepted that invitation. They accepted it immediately. There was no second thought. There was no, well, Jesus, let me sit and think about this for a second. There was no, well, you know, Jesus, if I decide to follow you, I'm going to need some time. Give me a couple of weeks or three weeks to get things in order. No, they immediately followed Jesus and they left everything behind. When they followed Jesus, they didn't take their nets with them. When James and John followed Jesus, they didn't take their father Zebedee with them. But instead, they left everything behind in order to completely surrender themselves to Jesus as full-time disciples, to accept His invitation. Jesus' invitation must be accepted. That is the right decision to make. It was in the early 2000s where Google offered an invitation to a company named Dig. The company's not in existence anymore, but they made an offer to Dig I will give you $200 million for your company. Dig turned it down. They had plans for the future. They thought they were going to grow their company. They thought they were going to extend their company. Fast forward just four years, and they end up selling that company for $500,000. In rejecting Google's invitation, they gave up $199 million, $500,000, to four years later sell it for so much less than they could have gotten it for. They made a mistake in rejecting Google's invitation and they lost a lot. But can I tell you something? If you reject Jesus' invitation, you're going to lose a lot more than they did. If you reject Jesus' invitation, when Jesus approaches you and says, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to walk in my footsteps and I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to mold you into what I want you to be. And you say, no, Jesus, that's not what I want. That's not the direction that I see my life going. You are making a mistake. You're giving up a lot more than just money. You're giving up your soul. You're giving up a relationship here and an eternity hereafter with the One who loves you so much that He not only extended an invitation, but He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose for you. He's sitting at God's right hand right now for you. And when you reject His invitation, you're giving up a lot. You're making the wrong choice. So when we think about following Jesus, it's amazing to stop and pause to say, Jesus wants us to do that. He wants us to do that so much that He extends an invitation. An invitation that I don't have to meet certain criteria in order to submit myself to. It's offered to ordinary people. It's an invitation that's going to change me. It's going to transform my life. It's an invitation that we must choose to accept. Do you need to accept that invitation tonight? If you do, Take a lesson from Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Leave everything behind and immediately follow Jesus. Accept His invitation as together we stand and sing the invitation song.
gently, gently to his fold. See him so and open, opened I implore. Why keep Jesus waiting, waiting at the door? Alt he knocketh softly, softly o'er and o'er. Hear him so and open, open I implore. Why keep Jesus waiting, knocking at the door? Soon he'll cease his pleading, yes, forevermore. Come, poor soul, obey him, open I implore. You may be seated. <clears throat> 